0: All right, this was a fun one. Had good friend Jill Bedreau on the podcast today. Jill is a founding member at Compass of Wellesley. She's always in the top 10 in Wellesley, Mass., a suburb of Boston. She is a monster luxury agent and also a fellow 5 a.m. call moderator. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and please leave me a comment about what you thought. Jill Bedreau, good friend of mine. Thank you for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Byron. I'm really excited to be here with you today.
0: I know. These are like wacky times, obviously, so that we're living through. But uh, I know, I mean, it's like we're connected through the 5 a.m. call on a daily or weekly basis, but I don't get to just sit down and spend you know, a good chunk of time chatting with you. Besides, uh, we, did, we did the Zoom call recently mm-hmm. with the 5 a.m. call, which was fun, but Uh, just to kind of catch up and see where you're at. So this is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Thanks.
0: First thing I wanted to ask you about is your perspective. Being a luxury agent, those of you that don't know who Jill is, Jill is a highly productive luxury agent in Wesley, Mass., which is a major suburb outside of Boston. And you typically will do a lot of deals in the high end, in the luxury Uh, sector of the market. So in your experience right now, what's going on with our luxury market?
1: So on average, our price um, is hovering right now around a little over $1.8 million. And we're seeing a lot of activity, and this is all relative, in the starter home, like the one five and under market.
0: And this is, this is just Wellesley?
1: This is just Wellesley, yeah. I'm not speaking macro, you know, Metro West Boston and Boston, Boston's its own animal. But in suburban Boston, there's definitely a lot of push and activity in buyers who need to buy. They haven't, by, by and large, and I'm generalizing, the younger buyers haven't been necessarily put off by the virtual nature of our business in the last couple of months. And if you think about it from a lifestyle standpoint, a lot of them, like, have to buy. They're pregnant with their first or their second. They are living in a vertical world right now. And after two months in quarantine, it's just people are feeling really kind of space-constrained. And we're definitely seeing a migration or an interest in migrating out to the suburbs. So I guess that's one market silver lining, if you will, although nobody would have, you know. Are you guys...
0: Are you guys actually doing real live showings? I know it, it, you, you are essential in mass, correct?
1: Yes, we are. But we're largely owner occupied and we are not a lockbox um, market at, like, at all. Like maybe a couple of new constructions. So where possible and where sellers and there have been few and far between are willing to vacate, there have been some live showings, but it's much more. I mean, 99% is virtual
0: inventory is probably like super low right now like a we lot of,
1: we have 50 properties on the market single family homes and 50 that's 50 total 50 total we've been how, hovering right around 50
0: how many and agents
1: um we have 350 licensed agents in Wellesley
0: okay
1: yeah so you can
0: <laughs> you and can you,
1: imagine that's a thin slice of the pie if you're looking on a average production but
0: yeah. and you know them all now what's your and this is all. Everybody's guessing. Nobody, nobody knows what's going to happen. That that's been more clear than ever over the last six weeks of our lives. But do you think more people will start to move out to the suburbs? Or, you know, not just in your market, but really everywhere around these big cities as we get through this.
1: I think where you have urban compression. I think the last two months have really made people realize that sometimes. Having more space—not necessarily your physical under-roof space—but more space to get out and to breathe fresh air is really important. I think people will still carry through uh, with carry through like different consumer behaviors, with really not wanting to necessarily interact as closely with people. Maybe in your living situation, like my daughter in D.C. lives in a high-rise apartment building, doorman, elevator, and you literally can't leave you're, you know without meeting someone in the hall or the elevator. So where people are living in situations like that, I definitely think that there's a migration. And we've definitely seen a spike in inquiries from Boston, Charlestown, Cambridge, much more densely packed urban markets with interest in migrating out to wealthy and surrounding suburbs.
0: And so you're having these conversations, they're not ready to make any types of move right now, but they're interested in what Uh, could be on the market or could be coming on the market later on.
1: Some of them are. I um, was interviewed by Boston magazine just about three weeks ago. I think it was in the first month or almost month of quarantine. We saw uh, just under 20 properties go under market and are 2 million and under market with average days, five till offer. That is exceedingly fast to list and go under contract in our market. Now the higher end's a different story because that's much more.
0: What do you consider like your like the Wellesley high end, right? Because everybody's high end is different. Obviously, like Josh Rubin from New York always says, <laughs> the luck the luxury market starts at ten million in New York. Yeah, so
1: Josh sure. makes my hand look like stocking stuffers. Oh, every, of
0: course, right. <laughs> so what's um, the Wellesley high end?
1: No, so I'd say three and over. I mean, maybe two five and over, but that's where you really get into. It's a discretionary purchase. It's not like you have you know, a a buyer couple and they're having a second child and oh, we're bursting at the seams. We need to buy a $4 million house. You know, it's much more of a discretionary, we can take our time. And that portion of the market, we actually surprisingly have had some deals go under relatively quickly in the two plus and up and approaching like three, five. But it's definitely um, not as robust in terms of the most recent activity in the last two months, that higher end.
0: Your market was so good for so long. Was there any correcting happening before this took place?
1: If you want to compare it to 08, it was kind of the same split where you saw the higher end, much quieter, Um, but we are always really consistent. We didn't really have a market softening. Because we have amazing schools. We have the proximity, we're 12, 13 miles out from Boston. We have a really robust downtown and town amenities. Um, we have a whole host of private schools and colleges. So Wellesley continuously is a big draw. So we're very, very fortunate in that regard.
0: So you, you don't really see prices drop dramatically there, no. even, even no. when other parts of the country are really taken out. No,
1: We're really lucky. Again, you know, the higher end may take longer to sell in the new development when builders find a lot that's one five ish as a tear down and put up a three five four five million dollar house. That may take longer to sell because buyers usually are school neutral at that point if they have school age kids. So they may be private school families, and it really doesn't matter. You get more land in some of the surrounding towns than you do in Wellesley, but we have a really robust downtown. With, you know cute shops restaurants etc that people absolutely love and we always said wellesley helps really bridge the urban to suburban for that reason so um, we really haven't seen any softening in prices
0: when when we first met jill you were coldwell banker for like mm-hmm. nine years mm-hmm. for like ever right and you, you were yeah. wildly successful there everybody seemingly have been talking to lately. It's like, hey, just switch to eXp. Just switch to eXp. You, a couple of years ago, made a move. It wasn't to eXp. You're one of the founding members in Wellesley for Compass. Compass is obviously another hot uh, name in the real estate industry brokerage world along with eXp, right? Especially the last couple of years. Why did you go to Compass? I think agents that are watching this, everybody's interested in why people make moves where. So why did... Uh, you make that particular move? And where do you see Compass's future sure. after all of this, uh, after we get out of all this?
1: So I was not looking to move. I was very happy at Caldwell Banker. I had a great team at Caldwell Banker. Caldwell Banker was great to me. I was great to Caldwell Banker. When I left, I was a number two or number three agent out of 80. And Compass came knocking. And as you know, we share a lot of of friendships with compass agents around the country and had always kept an ear to the ground because I'd heard about their technological advancements. And I think branding is so important as do many of us and just keeping an eye, I always felt like it was architectural digest meets Chanel, which speaks to me from a branding standpoint. And I have to say with all these disparate resources that I had engaged through the years to Build my team, build my brand. I didn't know what I didn't know until I went and sat through the dog and pony, and literally saw the client interface for Compass and the user interface for me being first and foremost like Compass's number one client, the agent. And
0: you mean like CRM, or is there something? You know, really- I'm I'm still trying to fully understand the um the tech side of Compass. Where I mean, do you feel like it's let me ask you this and you and no, you no, know
1: you can ask me anything
0: like do you feel like compass is just a really great brokerage for you and your clients with advanced technology or do you feel like they are a tech company first which is certainly something you know robert refkin has you know said numerous times
1: i think that they are a tech driven brokerage firm that realizes that you have two very distinct clients you have me And if you can't help facilitate my ability to serve you, my buyer, seller, rental clients, then it wasn't going to be a conversation I was worth pursuing. And I've heard that time and time again from other agents. I will tell you in the last 60 days being its own little, you know, its own, you know, it's, it's, it feels like it's been two years. I mean, let's face it. I can't tell you unless I show you how, vastly improved the resources, the new releases, the acceleration from beta to full availability of so many different tools Compass has made available to us in this self-quarantine work-from-home environment. So when we talk about the pivot from our coaching and our ecosystem that you and I share, the pivot within Compass has been tremendous. And it's almost like, okay, yeah, we have a lot more downtime than we've ever had in our entire professional careers. Our ability, it's almost like information overload. You kind of have to focus and finish and decide what you want to become expert in, because there's just this this vast library of new information and resources to tap into. It's phenomenal and i'm not I mean, it sounds like i'm drinking the Kool Aid. of course i'm drinking the Kool Aid. yeah but if it you're there from that, like i'm from new york totally transparent like i would talk turkey and tell you otherwise I think no that I- is it's like you can become fluent you know expert in a few silos or you can kind of touch upon scratch upon the surface of so many different things you've got to really drill down and see what resources are you gonna really nail and become expert in?
0: Knowing you well enough, you, you wouldn't have stayed there if the Kool-Aid didn't taste good <laughs> when you when you went over. But no, I appreciate the answer and the openness because you know, I've I've definitely asked this question of of compensations before. And it's like, of course, we're a tech company, but I like the explanation. Uh, and I agree with you it's it 's a tech driven brokerage i I believe Compass is a brokerage first for sure, with mm-hmm. you know more investments in their tech than than others. You mentioned uh, the coaching ecosystem that we share with with Tom ferry, and i 've heard you speak a number of times at different events, and maybe we 've even been on the same panel before. Have we been on a panel together
1: We might have been where well, we might have been a sales edge. Yeah. I've done three sales edge um, panels up on stage. So.
0: so, when do you think the real estate industry is going to be able to get back to that? And do you think it's going to be dramatically different? Conferences were a big part of so many top agents and team leaders'
1: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. schedule
0: throughout the year. Do you think it's going to be dramatically different when we get back to it?
1: Oh, well, I can tell you from the agents, you and I have been on countless Zoom calls, networking and, and, uh, touching base with agents around the country people are chomping at the bit this is phenomenal and thank goodness we have the zoom technology and facetime um, interacting with each other and with clients but there is nothing like being in person and the ability to just you know to to share and be transparent and just there's nothing like the in-person communication there really isn't so from what i've heard and i share this we can't wait to get back out there and whether it's client interfacing, agent interfacing, networking, uh, conferences, but I think behavior behavioral changes are here to stay. So what I don't have that crystal ball.
0: What do you think it is about like those in-person masterminds or conferences or coaching, or even just connecting with our peers where it's in person, what, it, what is it about that experience where we retain more information uh, quicker or easier, or we, or we just obtain more of it? What, why do you think that is when we're in person as opposed to podcasts or Zooms?
1: Because I think we feed off of each other. You know, I am a huge believer like positive energy begets positive energy and whether someone's sharing a war story and i think there's something that relaxes people when you're in person versus like this i'm super relaxed right now but there's still a technological a tech divide when you're looking at like in a little aperture and you can't read all the body language yeah. and I mean, clearly I'm like gesticulating <laughs> crazy because that's... When I'm, I'm looking
0: talking. down is when I can actually like see, you know, because I'm looking right? at the camera, right? So. Yeah,
1: so it's, di- it's different. And I know when we've been in those situations and there have been umpteen of them, when people don't feel like it's dog-eat-dog, dog, and by and large, those of us that are networking at a certain level, we're not in each other's backyards. And there's something that's just so... Gratifying, so satisfying about sharing your best practices and/or war stories. By the way, like, hey, don't do this. I did this and I got burnt. So learn from me. Versus, um, you know, you sharing your best practices, and I know that people have are indeed your videos and going out with all the local merchants and your small businesses. Like, it feels as I think it feels better to give than it does to get. And believe me, I am like a sponge. So it's just incredible. There's nothing like it. And I didn't know again, like compass didn't know what I didn't know. Cause I was never in coaching until Tom was our keynote speaker down at the breakers, the boondoggle that Caldwell Baker used to do for the top producers. And he was the keynote and I came out of there out of a ballroom of a hundred or 150 people felt like he was talking to me. And that's
0: oh, it. He has that special, ability <laughs> to make everybody feel that way. And he really does. It's, It is ridiculous how many names, first names he remembers just off of meeting somebody one time. I've never seen anything quite like that. So Jill, we share a common role, moderators of 5 a.m. call, and you moderate one week every rotating four weeks as I do. How difficult has it been to stay in your routine right now?
1: Okay, so confession, I, uh, the first two weeks was challenging for me not to get up and listen to the calls. I think consistently I've made just about every call. I had my twins, Hillary was in Australia coming back and like her school was still in session session through the 20th of March. So that was kind of crazy. But I think once I knew that they were safe and back home, for me, it was, I would set out my clothes the night before for workout, get up, whether I was hosting the calls or not, be dressed at 5 a.m., you know, brushing my teeth, and then jump into my workout, whether I was going to sunrise, hot yoga, or going downstairs. And knowing that I was fired up and my day was going to start because that was my time, and the rest of the day would be whatever clients and work demanded dictated. Not having those pressing... Commitments and obligations and a packed schedule like I thrive. I find I am much more focused and efficient with my time If I have to be if I have to time block and if I have to be on point Knowing that if I'm not just kind of with laser-like focus going from A to B to C to D It's not going to get done and that doesn't feel good to me Too much time is not my friend. So it took me a while and one of the things that I didn't have that I now have, and I shared when we had our call the other night, was I googled how to create a hot yoga studio in your house.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I literally—I have a good-sized master bath. It's the same size as my home office here, and I got the the, the most robust space heater and a warm air humidifier, and I can get. That room up to 90, and that's been my saving grace. And I also happen to have a pretty tricked out home gym, um, which gives me like all the cardio I need. So I feel like I'm back in the groove over the last number of weeks. The work, the
0: home workouts were very difficult for me to adapt. I didn't, I'm not a yoga, uh, or what is it, a yogi. I'm not a yogi to begin with, but uh, hot yoga is the way to do it. I've done that a couple of times with my sister. I find myself like, Without the normal routine, it's weird. I actually, you'd think it's the opposite, right? Without me having to like get in my car, go to appointment, go to this office, go there, you know, go meet this person, do all the different things that we're so accustomed to doing day to day. Without that, I actually, my body requires more sleep. I'm going less places. Mm -hmm. I'm doing less, you know, physical movement than I normally would. And yet I'm requiring more sleep. I'm actually going to bed even or falling asleep earlier because I find that like getting around people, and this is the only thing I can really point it to is like getting around people, taking all these appointments actually fills my energy tank, mm-hmm. gives me more energy, more serotonin yeah. uh, throughout the day. So really.
1: Well, that's, that's good though. You're That's like, I think you've got to look at that as a really good recharge.
0: It's a good recharge to get the extra sleep, but I, I almost feel like going back to getting in front of people is gonna be a recharge because I'm gonna have this burst of energy that I used to have when I was out on these appointments. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a weird, it's it's a weird An interesting thing.
1: dynamic, right? We could have never predicted. I'm the opposite. I usually don't need a lot of sleep, even when I'm hosting our calls. I just I'm a morning person and you know, I just, I don't know. And
0: your sleep routine's been the same. You haven't needed more or no, less? No, no, no,
1: I told, I think I shared on the call last week, I've been up at 1,
0: That's 2, right. You've been getting less sleep. That's watching, amazing to and me. And I'm
1: like, my mind, and I'm not an anxious person, like, yeah, largely about the world around us. How can we not internalize that in some way, shape, or form? But I'm not a worrier. And it's just like, I will be watching TV, and I'm not a huge TV watcher, like, Go to bed, woman. <laughs> but I just can't shut my mind down. And I've read books and other. So go figure. I feel great. You know, I feel awesome.
0: Yeah. You sound great. So, uh, Jill, what's one, to wrap this thing up, what's one message that you're either sharing with clients or that you want to share with anyone that's listening to this? You know, most people on this podcast are going to be, you know, someone aspiring to be an agent or already an agent. What's one mes- message you'd like to get across?
1: Well, I think. And where we are right now, just generally speaking, it's just stay positive, like positivity begets positivity. And I'm, you and I both share like mindset is everything and it starts with that. And yeah, have we all had moments of, you know, darker thoughts and other things like just stay positive. And if anything, you have to appreciate the small beautiful things in life that we cannot take for granted. And whether you're an agent right now, starting out, I think, really understand like what's going to be your best environment. And I mean that from the people that you surround yourself with, the brand, the everything, I'm going in two different, the personal and the professional here, but being happy and feeling content and having the right mindset and surrounding yourself, whether it's family and friends in your home life or with colleagues professionals that are going to lift you higher, like really, really think about what's important because we can't control everything. And if, you know, quarantine has showed me that, and I'm a control freak I'll say, you know, type exactly. a,
0: all of us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. but like you just kind of had, this has been really grounding for a lot of us and really puts a whole lot in perspective. And, you know, not to get too kumbaya, but like the yoga breathing, take a deep breath and really, what do you want out of life? What makes you happy? And don't just go for the, this is what everyone thinks I should be doing. What should you be doing for yourself and the people that matter most to you?
0: I think that's exactly right. the reevaluation of life and making sure you're spending it with those that are pushing you forward is Mm -hmm. going to be critical for everybody, whether you're in business an agent or not. So appreciate you saying that Jill and appreciate you jumping on this is a lot of fun hopefully we're hanging out doing one of these hopefully we're in person soon yes then we'll be
1: doing a selfie saying remember when
0: (laughs) exactly we'll do that we'll do another podcast and we'll we'll refer to this uh these wacky zoom podcasts that we all had to do if anybody needs uh needs some help in a boston suburb boston area jill is definitely your go-to connect with her if you're listening to this podcast uh make sure you hit her up on Facebook or on Instagram. I don't see you on Instagram that much though, Jill. What do you, what, what's the matter with you? You're not using it. So, so
1: we're, <laughs> I was in a huge way. We're rebranding and I've recently expanded my team. So literally we were in the throes of a big full reboot and literally like it, it, we, I mean, we had a whole marathon takeover month for our entire office, all compass offices for marathon, Boston marathon. And we just, we had to pull back. So yeah, I'm getting back in a huge way on Instagram. I was starting a doctor there. 2013 I started.
0: I know. You actually yeah. actually you were. Um I will link up your website as well and hope you're doing well. Stay healthy. You I'll too, definitely bye. I'll hear from you soon on, on the 5 a.m. call.
1: All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. bye.